Um, we're going to be in a couple of different places uh, in Scripture this morning. The first place that, that we're going to turn in a few minutes is John chapter 10. So if you want to turn there and just leave your Bible open for a few minutes, uh, please do so. I read a lot. Right? And Brandon, if you come to my house, you can tell where I sit in our house because there's the, 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 in the living room, there'll be a book or two there on the, the, the stand in the TV room. Uh, at the dining room table, there's usually a book or two sitting there. Downstairs in my office on the desk, there's a book. And by the recliner, there's a book. Uh, in the warm months, out front on the porch, there's a book. There's books all over the place. And I don't know if it's the best way to read books or not, but I usually have several of them going at one time. Uh, but I do not read very much fiction. I just, I just haven't. Now, I did in college when I had to, um, but, I, but I just don't read a whole lot of fiction. Until Mike Miller introduced me to a writer named C.J. Box. Anybody heard of C.J. Box? Right? He has a series of books called Joe Pickett. There's a, they were turned into a series. They're on TV. Uh, but but it's about a Wyoming game warden. And there's like 24 books, or the 24th one is coming out in just, a, in, in just a few weeks. But it's about this game warden who the theme of those books, every book is that he gets himself into trouble that he ought not have got himself into because he has to do his job the best that he can, and he's just a tad bit nosy. Uh, but every book is the same cycle, the same theme. Something happens, uh, and it should not be a big thing, but a blossoms, it explodes into a big thing. Sometimes curiosity. Sometimes because he wants to make, uh, do his job the best that he can. Sometimes it's just dumb, bad, dumb luck. But there's this theme and every book follows the same way. Maybe you're not a Wyoming game warden type of person. Maybe you're more of a Hallmark movie type of person. But it's the same thing. One script, like four different characters, but you can tell where the movie is going to go in the, 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 the 75 minutes or so that it lasts. It's the same script, the same theme. Well, when you come to this book, guess what? There's some themes in this book. Right? Our sinfulness is a pretty big theme in this book. From the, almost the first page of Scripture, we see this theme that, that comes in, this cycle that comes in about our sinfulness, how we believe the lies of Satan over the truth of God. And it just continues from the first pages through the last pages. Right? Luckily, another theme is God's redemptive pursuit of us. Right? And from the first pages, as soon as we mess up, actually before we messed up, God already had in plan a way to redeem his sinful kids. And that's on every single page. Now, you can see that cycle over and over, that cycle where we're doing all right, we're thankful that God is who he is, we're grateful for the way that he has blessed us, the way that he has taken care of us, and then we start to think that we are all that on our own, that we are good enough on our own, so we sort of ignore God for a little bit. And when we ignore God for a little bit, it leads us down this dark path uh, where, where sin creeps in uh, and, and where we get ourselves in a heap of trouble. And we stay there for a while until we realize that this isn't the way things were supposed to be. So we cry out to God, rescue us, save us, deliver us. And because God is faithful, he does. And you can do, it's just a cycle over and over and over. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. It starts to go like this. And it continues all throughout Scripture, this theme. 
And there's all kinds of themes in there, right? Redemption, pursuit, forgiveness, love conquers all, right? Themes that are on every page of Scripture. Well, one of those other themes that you sort of see from the beginning to the end is this idea of shepherds. God has called and used shepherds all throughout human history. Genesis chapter 4, right? We're introduced to Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel. Cain took care of the ground. Abel is described as a keeper of sheep. He was a shepherd. And, and he was the first shepherd that we see uh, in Scripture. And we, we see that his, uh, his downfall was merely desiring to give his best to God. That's, that's what he was dedicated to, was bringing the best offering, the best sacrifice that he could and laying it before God. Cain didn't like it. Cain got jealous. Cain killed Abel. But Abel was that first shepherd that we see dedicated to giving God his best. Hold on to that. You can read example of shepherd after shepherd after shepherd, but the next one we want to talk about this morning is Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, the the, the father of faith. We read about him more in Hebrews than than any of the other Old Testament heroes of faith. In, In and Abraham, we see, uh, that, and we're going to look more into his life in depth next week when we get back into our faith series, but in Abraham, you see this dedication and this devotion to the word and the will of God. How many times do we see God say something to Abraham and immediately Abraham does it? Abraham, or God says, leave. What does Abraham do? Leave. He says, go. Abraham goes. Abraham says, do this or God says, do this, Abraham does this. We see it over and over and over. So in this shepherd, Abraham, we see this dedication to the will and the word of God. You can keep reading until we get to this guy named David over in 1 Samuel, where this Saul, King Saul experiment just isn't working out. He looks the part, but he can't fill the part. So Samuel goes looking for the next king of Israel, and he goes to Jesse's house, or Jesse's estate, and and he's looking for the next king. And Jesse has all these big, strapping, looking like king sons, and one by one, Samuel says, nope, 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 until he asks, is there anybody else? And they're like, well, there's Dave, but he's out in the field taking care of the sheep, And that is when we see how God looks at a a ruler, not on the outward appearance, but on what is in the inside. And we see in in 1 Samuel 13, 4, and then again in the New Testament, that, that, that David was a man after God's own heart. And that's what God was after. That's what he's seeking, is men and women who are seeking after the heart of God. Now, we could describe David as a, as a warrior. He was that. It kept him, that's what kept him from building the temple of God that he so badly wanted to build because he had blood on his hands. He was a protector. He, he was a shepherd. As a, prote- as a shepherd, he was a protector. We, we see that he, he uh, killed a, a bear, that he killed uh, a, a lion. Right? He was a protector of Israel. He killed Goliath when everybody else was shaken in their sandals at, the, at this guy's threats. But above all of those, we see David as someone dedicated to chasing after God's heart. 
Abel, dedicated to offering God his best. Abraham, dedicated to the will and the word of God. Uh, David, dedicated to pursuing the heart of God. You can continue to read examples in the Old Testament, but when you flip your Bible to Matthew, when you flip your Bible to the Gospels, we see a different kind of shepherd. We see a shepherd that comes on the scene that is no longer chasing after and protecting and feeding and watering four-legged creatures. We see a shepherd that's protecting and chasing after and providing food for two-legged creatures. And we see Jesus described many different ways. One of those is the good shepherd. In, in John chapter 10, if you have your Bible open there, I want to read part of this, and, or a big chunk of this. Uh, Sunday afternoons, there's been a fantastic class going on on the life of Christ. Josh and Jamie Clore have been leading that. Last week, we looked in John at the I am statements. And one of those is here. Actually, a couple of them are, are, are in this chapter. And I just want to read this uh, because now we have Jesus, not only Messiah, not only Savior, not only Redeemer, but we see him described as a shepherd, continuing this theme of God raising up shepherds for his purpose. Uh, let's start in verse number one. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters uh, by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought, all, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and, they, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This verse 6 is a little bit funny. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So what does he do? Basically repeats it. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is hired, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus, right, above Abel, above Abraham, above King David, above every other, is the ultimate example of what it means to shepherd. Dedicated completely to doing whatever is necessary 
for the people of God. The only reason there is a people of God is because of what Jesus did for us. So you have Abel, you have Abraham, you have David, you have Jesus. And it's this ascending order of like importance and magnitude of what they do. And then Jesus, right, he, he passes the torch of the shepherding torch to another group. And he does it in a weird way. Right, remember Simon Peter? At, uh, at the, we were just reading this this last week as a staff getting ready for Easter. Um, but uh, he, he denies Jesus three times. Right? Peter, who said, I'll die with you, right? shakes in his boots when a girl comes up to him and says, weren't you with him? Three times he denies him. And on that third time, his eyes lock with Jesus and he just loses it, weeps uncontrollably and flees. And then Jesus dies. Jesus comes back. Right? He's spending time with people. He seeks Peter out. And in, on Thursday evening, we looked at Psalm 3. And in Psalm 3, it refers to God as the lifter of our heads. That's how I picture Jesus in this setting with Peter. Like, you got to know Peter's not even wanting to make eye contact with Jesus at this time. And doing everything to avoid staring into the eyes, into the face of the one that he denied a few, a few days ago. But I can picture Jesus going over and just sort of taking him by the chin. Right? Lifting his head up, staring right into his eyes. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Yes, yes, and you know I do. Then Peter, go feed my sheep. Peter becomes a, a, a New Testament shepherd leading the church, dedicated to the expansion and the protection of God's kingdom. And we see other men fall in line there too. Paul jumps in. Right? We see James, who before thought Jesus was off his rocker, jumping in and being a leader uh, in the New Testament church. We see, we, see all, we see these men grow and grow and grow. Some were apostles, some were disciples, some had been had researched but the, and, and, and learned more and more about Jesus, and they led the church as shepherds. All those guys died. And now, long, long time ago, right, Raiders of the Lost Ark right, tried to show us some of those guys were still alive, protecting the Ark of the Covenant. They're gone. Right, all of those guys died thousands of years ago. But the theme of shepherds continues in the life of the local church. What Peter, what Paul, what Timothy, what Titus, what we see them doing on the pages of the New Testament was handed off to men throughout the ages to shepherd the church of Jesus Christ. There's some powerful words uh, that is handed to these elders. In, in 1 Peter chapter 5, right, uh, Peter is writing uh, to, 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 this, to the elect exiles is how it starts off. And he gives us some powerful stuff. He says, remember where your inheritance is. Remember that, that it can't be taken from you. Remember it's secure for you. And he just goes through all these other things. Like live like the people you are. Jesus died for you. He sent his spirit into you. Live like the powerful, unique, peculiar people that you are. Right? And then he says, and so you can stay focused on that. Right? Shepherds, make sure you're doing your job. Right? Now, 
the, the language starts to shift a little bit because in the New Testament, the word shepherd, the word bishop, the word pastor, the word overseer, the word elder are used interchangeably. So here in 1 Peter chapter 5, you have Peter writing uh, to, to this elect group of exiles, the early church, and he says in verse 1, so I exhort you. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock that is among you, the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brethren throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to this eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Uh, to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter is saying, you are charged. This group, of, this group of elders, this group of shepherds in the local church, you are charged with protecting, with exhorting, with, with, with teaching, with leading. Those that worship daily, those that serve daily, those that live communally with you, you're in charge of taking care of them. Now, just to add a little bit more in the meat into the mix, right, in First Timothy... And in Titus, 1 Timothy 3, in Titus chapter 1, Paul very succinctly puts out requirements for what these leaders, what these shepherds, what these elders should look like. And because you don't want just somebody, just anybody, leading a local body of believers. So God, through Paul, just sort of lays that out. We've read those before, and we're going to encourage you to read them and read them and read them this week. We have been on a journey here for several years, leaders in this church studying and praying and planning and writing about transitioning to what we believe is a more biblical model for church leadership and church governance. Last November 12th, this church in this room voted to transition from the board model that, that has been around in our faith, in, in this faith family, for uh, 180 plus years into a elder-led model. At the beginning of December, uh, we stood before you and we asked, hey, would you please read First Timothy? Would you please read Titus? And as you read through those, would you please uh, just picture your faith family? Picture the individuals, the men in this congregation that, that you think matches up with what you see in Scripture. And as God lays somebody in your heart, bring them to the deacons. So for the month of December, that's what we did. We just, we just accumulated names. 
And, and, and we would, as, we, as they came in, as a batch came in, we'd, we'd give them to the, el- to the deacons and they would pray over and just pray over. And that's all we did for the month of December. When, when January rolled around, we, we started going through uh, that, that list of names. We celebrated that list of names. Uh, and, and, and we started taking those names and, and using Timothy and Titus. And, and, and there, was, there were some, then we started asking people. And we, pr- we prayed over and we started asking uh, those individuals, right? And, and, and the first question we asked is, would you be interested? Because we see in Scripture, you have to desire this. We don't go and we don't put somebody in a, in a headlock, right, and, and give them a noogie, right, until they say, I'm in. Right? No, it's something they willingly have to, do, have to desire, so we approached, in the month of January, we approached this list of, list of, uh, of individuals, and we just had conversations with them. Um, and there may have been something that we saw in Timothy or in Titus that, that brought cause for concern, and we had conversations with that group of men. And, and we arrived this morning at a group of men that we want to place before you right, as the first round, the first batch, the first team of elders. Before we give that list to you, though, this is what we would like for, this is what we want to do. These are our next steps. When you leave today, right, pick up a one sheet, right, because on it, it has scriptures listed, some marching orders, some homework, uh, and it also has the list of names uh, on there. It's also available on the app, online, uh, through the email that goes out on Sunday morning. So what we're asking you to do is for the next couple of weeks, Take that list of men, there's list of names, take that to Scripture, 1 Timothy, 1 Peter, and Titus, and, and just compare. Pray, discern, pray, discern, pray, discern. And if there is one of those names on the list that something pops up, a biblical reason why you believe that that person should not serve, should not leave, lead as an elder of this local church, then it's your responsibility your responsibility, church, to bring that to either to me or one of our nine deacons, whoever you are most comfortable with, right? That is your responsibility to bring that concern, that biblical concern to one of the, the nine deacons or myself, right? And then what, we, what will happen is on, is on Sunday, uh, February the 25th, right after this service, we will have a business meeting. And we will vote on that roster of men as one. Because you have had three weeks right, to bring any concern right, uh, through the proper channels to somebody. Right? But on that 25th, we will vote, uh, as a, if you're a member of this church, we will vote on that list of men. And then the following Sunday, uh, March the 3rd, we're going to celebrate one service right, where we will celebrate what, where God has brought us. Most recently, that elimination of that, that big, big debt that has been, uh, we've been dealing with for several years. We're going to celebrate that, where God has brought us, and we're going to celebrate where God is leading us with the installation of those men as the first elders of this local congregation. So that's where we're going, right? And we, you are an active participant in this. We are asking you to carve out time to be in God's word, and to be on your knees in prayer. And if you are led to share a concern, if there is a concern, please, it's part of your responsibility of protecting this faith family to bring that concern to to myself or to one of our nine uh, current deacons.
These are the men that we prayerfully bring before you this morning. And just the first one is Andy Bartlett. He's one of our current deacons. Uh, has, he, he serves in a variety of ministries. Uh, Mark Elliott, uh, our recently uh, 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 added uh, student pastor. Um, uh, myself. Rich McClure, uh, who is Scott's dad, Scott McClure's dad. He, is, he teaches Sunday school uh, uh, and leads in the first service. Uh, Mark McCain, uh, our current deacon chair. Mike Miller, uh, who uh, is the one responsible for me uh, wasting lots of time uh, reading C.J. Box books, um, uh, and it brings a lot of wise counsel to the table. Uh, uh, Scott Moorhead. Uh, Scott uh, was uh, in pastoral ministry for years and has recently retired. Has been uh, has, has placed his membership here. Uh, is also teaching uh, Sunday school on Sunday morning. Uh, Randy Sturm, who, if the doors are open, Randy is in here serving ridiculously. Uh, and uh, and Rusty Roten. Um, so those men we are bringing before you this week. We're going to leave you on your own. Right. These men, what you know about them in this book. Next Sunday, we're going to place in your hands uh, a short bio from these, from these guys so that the ones that you don't know, you can get to know a little bit better. Just a little bit of their faith journey. Uh, a little bit of why, why they're saying yes to being considered uh, for, the, for this role in this local church. But church, we desperately want you to be spending time in God's word with these nine names and in prayer over the future of this local church. So that's your homework. Before we wrap up, before Becky and the team come back up, I want us to go back to John chapter 10 just for a second. I share this with you guys all the time. Like uh, Sometimes you get into a, reading a section of Scripture, and you start reading, and because you're familiar with it, you just sort of read through it real quick. And when you do that you miss some important and some pretty cool stuff. Last Sunday, Josh and Jamie reminded the group who are taking the life of Christ of something that's important because we went back to this verse. You're reading through here, and, and Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. Uh, the sheep know me. They know my voice. They know, and I know them, and I'll lay down my life for them. But if you look in John chapter 10 and verse 16, Right after he says, and I lay down my life for the sheep, he says this, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. I have other sheep. You know what he's talking about there? Me. Talking about you. At this point in time, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus is just sharing uh, with a few outliers with the Jewish people. But God didn't send Jesus just to save Jews, just to save Hebrews, just to save Israelites. No, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Jesus is saying once again in another way that the only way to get to the Father is through me and I'm going out to get you and I'm going to do everything necessary 
to secure your relationship with God the Father. This morning, if you are a believer, you are a believer only because God pursued you through Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, it's only because the Holy Spirit uh, turned you toward Jesus, convicted you of sin, and brought you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. This morning, if you're not a believer, if you you hear, hear someone speaking, but you don't quite recognize his voice, it's because you don't belong to him yet. Jesus says, I'm the door. The only way to get into safety, the only way to get back to the Father is by by walking through that door named Jesus. This morning, if you have not walked through that door, if you have not placed your faith in the good shepherd, I pray that today is the day of your salvation.